Hi everyone, this is Diana, co-founder and CMO of The Holistic Panda. This is our podcast where we interview holistic practitioners and coaches and inspiring leaders from the AAPI community to share with you all things wellness related. We hope you leave with little nuggets of wisdom that can help improve your lives and well-being. On this episode, I chatted with Netherlands-based coach and psychologist Miriam Jagger on what positive psychology and ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy is, and how it can help us create a rich and meaningful life. Miriam shared simple but practical tips that you can do every day to overcome the hard feelings that come with life's challenges. We also talked about the importance of figuring out our core values to have the life we want, how to discover those values, and why it's okay to not feel okay all the time. Hope you enjoy. So I'm really excited to be joined by Miriam today. Before we begin, Miriam, can you introduce yourself, what you do, where you're from, and the services that you offer? Uh, my name is Miriam Jager. I'm uh, from the Netherlands, um, and uh, I'm a psychologist, a positive psychologist, um, and I have my own practice uh, in the south of the Netherlands. What is a positive psychologist? Uh, well, my take on it is that um, a positive psychologist focuses on what is right with people instead of what is wrong or missing. Really has a positive focus not to forget about what's uh, difficult in life or um, what's maybe painful because that is also a reality, but it just doesn't focus too much on what's missing or what isn't there. It really enables people to focus on their strengths and helps them find a purpose, uh, which is a more motivational approach. So it's not moving away from something that you don't want to have. It's moving towards a place where you want to be or um, something that you want to develop in life. I'm sure you've heard of this term, toxic positivity. And it's basically the belief that, you know, the cup is always half full. You should always be positive. I'm curious to see what is the difference between positive psychology versus toxic positivity? Yeah, I think it's not very realistic to... uh, um, expect yourself to always be happy or to always see the glass as half full because um, I think uh, difficult thoughts and feelings or situations are an inherent part of life um, but it's it's the way you cope with what is happening to you that makes the distinction I think between the more traditional psychology which focuses more on, on problems and what is wrong with people Uh, and the positive psychology so it's not that you can't be happy or you can't have sad feelings or anything it's just uh, the focus is different it's more on what you want to move towards than away from. Thank you for that clarification I think a lot of people when they think about oh being positive a lot of people associate that with um, toxic positivity so I'm really glad that you Um, highlighted the difference. Why is it important to practice positive psychology? And can you give me an example of how like a scenario or how someone would practice it on a day-to-day basis? Well, a very practical approach to positive psychology is uh, actually focusing on things that are there instead of the things that are missing in your life. Because everything you um, give attention grows is something we say in uh, the Netherlands. And um, so also when you consciously focus your thoughts on something, for example, that you're grateful for, if you practice every day, like five minutes a day, writing down three things you're grateful for. And these can be really small things like, oh, I had the greatest coffee today and I was so happy (laughs) enjoying that. And can be a compliment someone gave you. It can be, you know, the sun is shining here right now. So it can be something like that. Uh, but if you train yourself to focus on what's positive and what's there, 
it really helps you to uh, create a positive growth mindset. So. Thank you for that. And actually, I also practice writing like, you know, a gratitude list or gratitude journal. Do you think it's better to do it in the morning or at the end of the day? I think it's a, well, that's my approach on things. I think um, very convenient to try to figure out what is a good time for you to work it into your daily routine, because things like this will take an effort for you to do because our brain is like naturally programmed to focus on things that scare us or things that are danger. So you really have to like actively train your brain to focus on positive things like you're training your muscles in the gym. Uh, and I think the easier you make it for yourself, the easier it is to like sustainably <laughs> keep on doing this. So if you have your daily shower in the morning, maybe you can like uh, make a list in your mind when you do that. Maybe you want to uh, have a notebook by the side of your bed and write it down by the end of the day. Or maybe you have a day where you drive back from work and you have some time to like process what's uh, taking place in a day so really I think it's up to the person themselves to figure out what's the convenient moment to do this what is the psychology or science behind practicing gratitude how does that in- impact our brain like because I hear it practicing gratitude is so important in in you know managing your mental health so I'm just curious like do you know what the science behind is it and why it works uh, well one aspect of it is that um, there is this um, uh, broaden and build theory that's um, by Barbara Fredrickson and it's uh, it's like the, the there's like a scale where the tipping point moves towards uh, feeling happy if you focus on five uh, sincere positive experiences uh, that compensate one negative one so if we focus on like things that we're grateful for, for example, five things that we're grateful for, they help us put more weight on that side of the scale, so to say. Uh, but in, in relationships, the, the, the ratio is a bit different. Usually it's, uh, you need more positive experiences uh, if you have like, a, for example, a partner or a friend that's dear to you that makes a negative comment. Uh, it'll take five sincerely positive experiences to compensate that one negative one. So it's a, it's a bigger uh, weight uh, that we need to compensate the negative one. And on a, on a more regular basis, like, for example, if we have an exam and we have a bad test result, um, that can be quite painful for us, but we need uh, like three positive things to compensate that. So yeah. One of the things that we talked about within, you know, the work that you do and in, in positive psychology is this concept or this therapy called ACT, which yes. is acceptance and commitment therapy. And I've never heard of it prior to um, meeting you. And mm-hmm. I did some research and I thought this was so interesting because we hear about cognitive behavioral therapy. It's very common widespread in like North America at least. And I've never heard of ACT. So I'm so curious to see, you know, what is it and what is the goal of ACT? Uh, well, the, the full term is acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's actually when you abbreviate it, it's called ACT and not ACT. Uh, it's it's a very practical approach. So it's very easy to remember if you call it ACT because it'll take a lot of your personal action. It's not that they really thought of it that way, but it's kind of what made it stick with me. Um, so acceptance and commitment therapy is a, um, a cognitive behavioral therapy uh, in the core. So um, it's different to the traditional ones in the, the sense that it doesn't uh, try to 
break down the negative ones and reconstruct into a positive one. So for example, if you have negative thoughts or feelings, say you try to get to the root of the problem and compensate that with positive thoughts and feelings. And acceptance and commitment therapy acts as more about opening up to what's there. So not avoiding what's difficult. It's about figuring out what's important to you. It's about really training psychological skills to handle life more effectively. And, and what is it used for? Like, what are the, indica- the indications or who would be an ideal patient to, to practice ACT? I think everyone, really, because uh, yeah, it sounds a bit silly, maybe. But I think before I knew about ACT, well, there was all sorts of behavioral strength cognitive therapies that I, I read about that I practiced. And uh, after studying ACT, I was like, this makes so much sense because it's, it's such a different approach. We don't, it doesn't expect us to fight or resist what we are experiencing. And it's just really effective. I, I can't really, <laughs> it makes so much sense to me personally, but also to my clients because it's so easy to relate to. And how does it work? Can you explain a little bit more in detail the, the mechanics of how ACT work? Yeah, ACT is uh, really centered about uh, around six core processes. Its its main focus is figuring out what's important to you, what's valuable to you, and also to kind of translate that knowledge into practical action. So if I know that my family and my religion and my physical health are most important to me, what what does that mean to me on a daily basis? What am I going to do? What am I not going to do um, so I can really live by my values. It's also about opening up to what we are experiencing uh, and we usually don't have problems opening up to the pleasant side of life, but it's also opening up to difficult thoughts and feelings and relating to them in a different way. It's also about distancing yourself from your thoughts and feelings and looking at them from a different perspective. It's really about the relationship you have with yourself and figuring out what kind of person you want to be in life and how to really put that into practice in a really realistic way, I think. Can you explain a little bit the the difference between what the A stands for, like acceptance, and the C, like what does commitment mean in in ACT? The acceptance is about opening up to uh, your thoughts and feelings. uh, even if they're unpleasant or uh, difficult or painful, our natural tendency is to avoid these things because they feel uncomfortable and they create a potential threat, I guess, psychologically at least. But our system responds in the same way to a psychological threat and to an actual physical threat. So our natural response is to freeze or to fight it or um, move away from it in all sorts of ways. And the acceptance part is really opening up and, and, and trying to train yourself in experiencing the unpleasant, really. And, and this might seem also quite abstract, but you can practice it from like really basic ways. Uh, for example, if you uh, usually brush your teeth right hand, the toothbrush to your left hand and try to do it the other way, and it'll feel a bit uncomfortable. Maybe it'll take your, uh, some extra effort or some extra time but we'll manage. And this is, of course, a very easy to make step. It's not very difficult, uh, but you can build this uh, skill by experiencing uh, stuff that is a bit more difficult for us. For example, singing out loud while 
in the streets or something like that, because that will make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, but while practicing the opening up to the uh, discomfort, you become more and more skilled actually in handling uncomfortable things. Oh, I love that you brought that up. So is it true to say that it's almost like building your muscle to, to be able to tolerate and at a certain point come into almost being okay with with feeling you know through feeling uncomfortable especially as we navigate the challenges in life it's almost like you're like when you have go through those moments you've learned to become okay with those negative feelings yes those feelings are still going to be uncomfortable but you've learned to be okay with them yeah, well, okay is, is kind of a, uh, an iffy word maybe in this yeah. context because sometimes things that happen to us are very hard to deal with. For example, if we lose someone that's dear to us or if we become uh, chronically ill, those are things sometimes that we cannot be okay with uh, given any of the circumstances. But it's uh, really about not having to struggle with it uh, anymore. So there is this pain and there is this struggling with pain that's there. And it, I think acceptance and commitment therapy is a lot about not having to struggle as much anymore. The pain won't go away because that's, an, that's a given part in life. That's what this, one of the basic assumptions is within ACT. We're going to have experienced pain, uh, be it emotional or physical, uh, sooner or later in life. But it's how we deal with that, uh, which makes it a bit lighter, I think. It's not that it's going to go away, but it's just really being able to carry it more actively. Thank you. That was a perfect explanation. And and what about the commitment part of ACT? What is that? What is that? Yeah, what is that about? <laughs> ACT is all about your core values, what is really important to you, how you want to live your life, to be motivated in the things you do. But to know what is important is something else than doing what is important to you. So we can really have a clear picture of, well, I want to be a volunteer and I want to spend time with my family. I want to develop myself in, a, in my career. What am I doing from on a day-to-day basis? Am I actually spending the time in the way that I want to spend it? Am I doing the things that are really important to me or am I just going with the flow? Uh, so it really is about actually commit committing <laughs> to what's really important to you. So taking actions that align with your core values. Yes. And you mentioned a little bit about the difference between um, ACT and CBT. Is one better than the other, do you think? Uh, that's a difficult one. I think both are effective in their own way. I think uh, CBT is a very structured, linear approach, which can be very convenient for either you as a therapist or a client. And the thing with ACT is it's a non-linear uh, approach, which makes it very fun to play with as a therapist. It takes more time to learn because uh, each of the six pillars is not on its own. It's all intertwined. So um, you have to be able to dance with the, <laughs> within the subjects that are there. And you jump from one thing to the other, which I love, but some people won't like it as much. So I think it's more personal. Um, well, my personal preference with ACT is uh, that it's very practical. So it has all these metaphors, exercises that you can do, uh, videos that you can watch that is really helping you to translate the insights to actions. How do you use ACT therapy and like what are some acceptance strategies that we can implement? Well, I. I guess we all have a 
thoughts and feelings that we rather not have. <laughs> uh, for example, um, you'll have moments in life that we feel inadequate or that we feel uh, insecure or feel sad or maybe even depressed or stressed out. And one of the uh, acceptance strategies that you can apply is actually really just trying to take a moment to pause and really record what's going on inside you yourself. So what is what are the thoughts that I'm having and just writing them down on a piece of paper? What is the what are the feelings or the emotions that I'm experiencing? And just record them as well. And then also what am I experiencing in my body? Am I feeling tense uh, somewhere? Am I feeling relaxed? Where, where do I feel this in my body? Just, just being aware and open to what's there, not trying to interpret it. Uh, that's quite difficult for us as humans because we're trying to explain things and finding uh, what caused uh, something to be there. But just try to look at what's there, not having to fix it, not having to change it. Just open up to what's there and look at it. Just allow it to be there. What if someone is experiencing a really difficult piece of information, like for instance, sudden loss of a loved one or sudden loss of a job, or it's like, it's like a shock to their system and, you know, the feelings are very overwhelming. How can we implement ACT in this scenario when it's not just kind of day-to-day stress, but it's a really hard piece of information that we've been hit with? Uh, it depends on what's happening uh, to you or what you're experiencing, because, um, it takes a certain level of consciousness to be able to act, not act in the sense that we're talking about acceptance and commitment therapy, but just to implement something to make a choice. I think uh, what's it's nice is that acceptance and commitment therapy states that you have something called a choice point. So when life is smiling at you, for so to say, then we almost always act in line with our values and see ourselves behaving like the people we want to uh, be like, doing the things that are important to us, and we're okay with ourselves in that phase of life. But sooner or later, life will come with a curveball and don't get caught up in all sorts of difficult thoughts or feelings. And we move away from our values. So you have towards movements and away movements. And we have something called a choice point, uh, which is like in any given situation where you become aware of what's happening to you, you can make a choice. Either I can move towards what is important to me and in line with my values or away from it. And neither is good or bad. It's just a choice you consciously make at that point in time. And there are all these different parts that you can use. Uh, One of them is acceptance. Another is mindfulness, for example. Another one is knowing your values and committing to them. Another one is diffusion. So there's all these different skills that you can use to be more flexible uh, in a psychological sense. But what's possible at that time is very personal. So it's very difficult for me to uh, give you one straight answer. Like if you feel overwhelmed with life, maybe it's okay to feel overwhelmed. Maybe it's okay to not know what to do because we're all going to hit that point somewhere in life. But we're here with this image that we all have to be like on the top of our game and have to know what we're doing. and We have to have a plan and we have to be in control. Life doesn't work that way. And maybe you can cut yourself some slack and just notice that you're feeling overwhelmed is enough. 
I mean, I think that's a great answer. Just learning to kind of sit with those feelings and learning that it's okay to have those feelings. One of the questions that I kind of want to ask you is going back to what you said with knowing what your core values are. um, That's pretty essential as part of the ACT therapy and having committed actions that are in alignment with those core values. And I'm curious as to see why it's important to know what your core values are, because I hear from so many different people, like even high performers or people in the self-development world who talk about peak performance. A lot of them talk about knowing your, your, your core values, knowing what the values are that align with you. And even because I personally worked with a, a, a coach as well, a business coach, and he also the first session, he was like, okay, like know what your intrinsic values are. And it's so interesting that even from a psychologist perspective, you're saying like, know what your core values are, right? And I'm just curious to see why is it important? Because I grew up in an Asian household. I've never been asked like what I truly want. <laughs> and I, I'm just sitting down here right now. And I, in like a light bulb moment, I'm like, I don't think anyone has ever asked me what are, what are your, what are the values that are important to you? And I'm getting kind of emotional because I've never been asked what's important to me. It was almost like I just live my life doing things that I've been told are the right things to do. And no one has ever asked, Hey, like, what do you care about? What are the things that are important to you? Yeah. And I'm really curious to hear what, what the importance was to you personally, but maybe we'll get to that later. Um, I think one of, The important things about uh, knowing your core values is that um, not knowing them and living by someone else's values usually ends up in a lot of regret. So there was this person, uh, I'm not sure what her um, country of origin is, but it was in palliative care, I think, like people are caring for people in the end stage of their life. Yeah, palliative care, yeah. She interviewed them and, and asked them, uh, like, what are your thoughts and feelings from looking back in your life? And one of the main things that people regretted is like, I, I should have listened more to what is important to me instead of thinking or trying to figure out what others are expecting of me. So being true to yourself is really, really important. And uh, it makes sense that a lot of people don't really uh, think about what's important to them because we're raised with certain values and we're raised with certain norms and kind of automatically adapt them from a loyalty to our parents and it's a difficult process in growing up I think to figure out your own uh, interpretation like is it true to me that I want to behave in that way and I think the importance of of, uh, knowing your values is it's it's kind of like setting uh, knowing a compass and setting out a course in life, <laughs> uh, because it'll give you uh, a point in the uh, on the horizon that you're moving towards, and you don't have to like always be on the uh, straightest path to your uh, to your goals or to your values. But it's 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 making sure you don't get adrift, so you don't get lost, and you're not like um, the sea is taking you somewhere you don't know where it's <laughs> taking you. But you're actually like setting course to what's important to you and you're like maybe deviating a bit to the left or the right that doesn't matter because you know where you're heading in the long run this is important to you and you're moving towards that direction. how does someone find what their core values are <laughs> what are some uh, of the questions they should ask themselves or what are some ways they can figure that out 
It's a big question. Uh, well, there is actually, um, I think it's an open source questionnaire, the Valued Living questionnaire. If you Google it, I, I'm sure you'll find like a dozen versions that are openly accessible. Um, it is a very, you have this short version that has um, an overview of the main values that people value in life. Uh, and you can score yourself on like what is important to me. And also then the next column is the most interesting one. Uh, am I living towards those values, in line with those values? That's a very practical, easily accessible way to uh, get an idea of what your core values are. Where can we find this tool? I think if you Google valued living questionnaire. Valued uh, living questionnaire. Yes, uh, VLQ. I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> Amazing. I definitely will, will check it out. Um, I think everything that you've said on the importance of finding, figuring out what your core values are and living, having a moral compass to kind of guide you through that really resonated with me because I feel like for a really long time in my life, I've just been kind of in the pursuit of things and without really knowing why, why I'm pursuing them. It just felt like it was the right thing to do, especially when I look at my peers. They are also like, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and doing all of these things. And I'm like, oh, I, I can't, like, I have a fear of like falling behind. Like that is my biggest fear. And it so it was almost like I'm in a, running in a circle because it's just keep the key, the same patterns happen. I would take a job thinking that's the right job and then realize, oh, it's not what I want. And the same applies to like relationships. And I would compare it to like a dog chasing its own tail because it's just like this continual quest and search for something yet you can't quite grasp it because it's not truly what I wanted. And I think it was through working with my coach and figuring out what my intrinsic values are that I realized, um, and you asked me what my values are. One of them is like service. It's like really be of service to the people, to, to the community and creating greater impact than um, aside from my own goals. And when I figure out what my core value is, life makes a lot more sense. It makes it a lot easier to take action um, to make decisions. Um, when things don't happen, I don't, I'm not as devastated because I know that, you know, I believe also in a higher power to help me guide me towards achieving my, my higher purposes. So yeah, I, I what you said, I a hundred percent resonated with. Yeah, good. And I think also the thing with, with, uh, knowing your values, um, uh, it's very nice that you don't always have to be in line with your values to have them be true because they're gonna um, be true anyway, whether you're acting in line with them or not. So embracing human nature and not always having to be this perfect example of what you want to be in life is also very helpful, I think, in being more flexible and dealing with all the yeah, difficult things that life hands us. And values can change, I presume, right? Like your core values can change as you enter different stages of your life. Yes, especially. Yeah, that's very true. I think that's why it makes a lot of sense to like have um, like a checkup with yourself, a check-in actually. Uh, like what, what am I uh, doing right now? And is it still the things that are important to me or maybe my focus has changed or maybe my needs have changed in this period of, of my life? Because uh, as, exactly as you say, it will change in different phases of our life and it's fine, but you, know, you should really try and um, discover these things on a regular basis. I think I'm always really surprised. I don't know what it's like uh, for you over there, but your people 
go to the dentist on a regular basis. We go to a physical therapist on a regular basis. These are all just things that we really are okay with and find very normal, but to um, really uh, preventively, preventively uh, uh, spend time and uh, attention and focus on your, your mental well-being is not something that we are used to do doing. So we usually kind of uh, hop on board when we get stuck somewhere, but it's very, uh, I think it's very healthy to have a, like a regular checkup figure out like oh how am I actually doing <laughs> am I feeling okay what what do I need where do I want to go who can help me just to really be aware of what's happening in your life before you run into problems or maybe to enhance what's really going well in your life that's also a very uh, useful uh, benefit I love that you said that because I saw a quote on Instagram I love social media um, it was that when you feel like you're on the cusp of like burning out and you're like, you're, you're not like resting enough instead of saying, oh, I, I, I'm not working hard enough or I, you know, my productivity is going to be um, affected. Ask yourself, what do I need actually? Like, what do I need in this moment? As opposed to saying, I'm not working hard enough. Don't think of it like I'm being lazy because I need rest, but like ask yourself, why do you need the rest? Is it because you're not nourishing yourself? Is it because you're working too hard? So checking in with yourself and also asking the right questions, like, how am I feeling? What do I need in this moment? Like, yeah. I started doing that. So what is that feeling telling me? Like, what, 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 what is it here to tell me? Because uh, we're really prone to, like, uh, pointing the, the blaming finger at ourselves, like, oh, I should have done this. What am I experiencing? Why am I experiencing it? And also, uh, not only trying to figure out what you need but also how can I make things a bit easier for myself uh, how can I help myself or maybe yeah that can be doing something nice for yourself or trying not to push yourself so hard or maybe asking someone to lend a hand or listen to your uh, experience or whatever but just also uh, checking in like what what can I do for myself if there's yeah. one act uh, strategy that you feel like everyone can easily practice on a daily basis and you have the power to make, to implement this rule where everyone would practice it, what would it be? Oh my gosh, <laughs> no pressure. Uh, so my mind is running wild right now. Um, I, I think um, I would kind of uh, want people to know that it's, uh, it's important to, to uh, focus on what will give you a rich and meaningful life, but also being okay with the fact that life will inevitably bring you um, pain. And this is also a very important part of life. And we'll move through that and with that, with, uh, for example, the skills that you have in acceptance and commitment therapy. And there are so many open source materials on this uh, topic. So if you're curious, Please uh, find find your way. I think Ross Harris has a, a lot of uh, English uh, material as well that are is openly accessible to people. I would definitely invite you to take a look at that, put it into practice. Amazing. Thank you so much, Miriam, for your time today. I know there's a time difference. Miriam is based in uh, the Netherlands. So um, that's it. Great Thank that you so much for tuning in. Stay connect. tuned for our next episode. Uh, if so you have any so questions much, or feedback, email Thank us you so much at, for at me. the holisticpanda.com. Bye.